Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the end of the rise and fall of Mars Hill as we know it, and I feel fine. The rise and fall of Mars Hill episode 12 review and the series review. And if you're at a crunch for time, we'll give you the nutshell. It was a cult, at least according to Christianity (laughs) Today. And we're going to discuss that and all of the everythings. But first, is there anything you'd like to say? Yeah, prayer requests, just be praying for us. I feel like we were just talking about the same prayer request before we moved here. Yeah, we want to move again, and you just pray. We need a place for our kids to be able to play in the neighborhood. We don't really have a neighborhood here, and they don't really have any friends around here. Um, we also record in a place with a uh, skylight, a skylight in a city that rains constantly, which is tons of fun. It's so loud when it rains. Even when it's drizzling, it's loud in this room. But, yeah, um, God's always taking care of us. Whenever we've moved, um, you know, I guess the two houses, but that we've bought, always found like the older one that needed a little fixing up, but it was always a really good deal and a blessing financially and just praying maybe for one of those again in a normal neighborhood with, with kids and people we can get to know and everybody wants that. Friendly neighbors. <laughs> Most people. Yeah, please, please pray for us. We've, we move a lot. Um, but as you know, the housing market is bonkers everywhere. Um, it is where we are. So it's really hard to find a home that you're not, you know, starting $100,000 in the hole, which is not fun. So yeah, um, we don't want to do that. So please just keep us uh, in your prayers. If you would, we would definitely appreciate that. And also, uh, pray for my brother who you guys don't know, but he's, uh, I think I've mentioned him kind of getting his own business started and tomorrow he's kind of going to, or today, I'm sorry, he's, uh, getting ready to go and meet up with some people about potentially, you know, building, uh, just, you know, it's about his business. So just pray that that goes well. Um, he finds favor with this fella that he's meeting and everything goes good. So. That would be wonderful. So today we are reviewing um, sort of episode 12, which just came out of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And then we'll be finishing with sort of our entire series review. So this is going to probably be mostly about episode 12. And then we'll wrap up with our series review, kind of what we think of what we've learned about Mars Hill through this podcast. And then if we would recommend it, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, maybe like a one to 10 scale or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because as we've mentioned before, we don't know any, we didn't know anything about Mars Hill or Mark Driscoll 
at all when we started listening to this. Yeah, I've and, only heard Mark Driscoll. I've never heard the name of the church before this. Yeah, I mean, I'd heard of it, but just in the aftermath, you know, hey, you know, I've heard that this stuff had happened. Didn't know why it was a big deal. Um, and then also in the description for this show, we're going to include uh, a couple of YouTube videos for Trinity Church and um, Mark Driscoll. So you can see where he is today and you can go make your own decision. You know, don't take our word for it and don't take Christianity Today's word for it. Go give it a listen, um, look into the details, maybe send him a message and find out for yourself. Because we've gotten uh, messages from people that said, hey, you know, I, I used to listen to Mark, still listen to Mark. He's, you know, still preaching the same good mm -hmm. message. So, you know, like with any documentary, you're getting one point of view. Right. Um, it's like any, you know, you watch a Netflix documentary and you're sold out on, you know, this wonder drug or whatever, <laughs> you know, that's the, the point of view they want you to have. And, you know, we feel like the point of view Christianity today wants you to have is Mark Driscoll's a bad guy. So go give it a listen, see for yourself. So episode 12, I believe it was titled the aftermath and, uh, it obviously focused largely <laughs> on what had happened. What had happened was, uh, to, uh, Mars Hill after Mark Driscoll resigned and they sort of closed their doors. That was kind of what they looked at. It was another incredibly long episode, yeah. two and a half hours long, which I was kind of bummed out when I saw, cause the last episode as well was two and a half hours. And I was like, man, that's such a long time. But honestly, I'm a little bit glad that it's over. I'm glad that they basically just wrapped six episodes into two. And well, it took a while for them to come out with it. So it should be long. Yeah, and because it's so long, we're just going to be scratching the surface. I mean, this would be a four-hour episode if we were going to break down everything that we, you know, heard and had a, a thought on. So definitely yeah. give it a list of yourself. Just like every episode they've done, they're they're packed with information. So um, it's definitely mm -hmm. worth a listen. But um, yeah, I mean, if I can be truthful, you know, listening to this, um, I paid good attention for about the first hour <laughs> and then the last like hour and a half i just put my earbuds in and decided i need to go for a run and when i got done with it i think my ears were more sore than my legs um <laughs> but that's my own take on the rise and fall of mars hill so um like we do with all of these you know we're just going to be pulling out some of the ideas that we thought were important to note or stuff that jumped out to us again we're just scratching the surface because we can't you know dive into all of this stuff so the first point that i wanted to bring up uh was mike cosper discussed early in the episode um and i think you know this is an ongoing thing that i feel like he's done throughout most of the episodes here you know like he'll bring up sort of what i would think is a normal situation but he'll present it in a way to make Mark Driscoll look bad. And, mm -hmm. you know, when really, when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of a nothing. Like, that's the way most people would have done something. Yeah, well, he always sympathizes with the person who's, who he's interviewing. Yeah. I think he totally, 100% sides with them. Maybe he's just a people pleaser. Well, I, I think know. also, like, again, our interpretation it almost seems like Mike Cosper has something against Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill or, mm. and this isn't just us. I mean, if you listen to some of the other reviews are out there um, or even people that have commented to us, 
it seems almost like they have a bent against reform theology. That's not our take, but people have mentioned mm-hmm. that as well. So again, that's just kind of what it seems like. You'll kind of just make something out of nothing. And mm-hmm. I feel like they started this show with something like that. Um, so early in the episode, the son of Paul Petrie, who, as you remember, was one of the pastors that worked for Mars Hill. I guess he sort of had like an ugly falling out, was fired by Mark Driscoll. Well, his son, Benjamin Petrie, he decides that he's going to go to Mark's new church, which is Trinity Church in Phoenix. And, you know, basically he kind of makes the case that he wants to kind of ask Mark to reach out to his dad and look to heal some of those old uh, old wounds, if you will. So Benjamin tells the story and he's interviewed on here that he goes to Trinity on their five year anniversary, you know, and basically he waits in line kind of to do like the handshake with Mark Driscoll and the pastors or whatever. Um, And just kind of as he's describing this scene, just a few things didn't set right with me. Um, And the first one is that he kind of makes a comment about Mark. He says something like mark like this little man or something Mm -hmm. he says like that that wasn't necessary to throw that in there yeah and it was kind of just said quickly but to me it kind of had that idea of where like benjamin because of all the fallout and kind of this bigger than life personality that mark driscoll was you know like he thinks he's some towering figure it's almost like the william wallace you know if you ever watched braveheart they talk about william wallace he's 10 feet tall and all these sorts of things then they see him and it's like little mel gibson <laughs> and that's kind of the idea that i got when i listened to this he's like oh mark's this little man almost like basically saying this little dude like he's a guy that reigned such terror on our life he's just this short little nothing of a man and i was like eh, it just didn't sit right with me kind of a weird thing to throw in there um because mark is just who he is you know so that, that was yeah. kind of weird like that's your own interpretation of him mm-hmm. you made him bigger than life which that's right thinking on it now that's basically what all of the Mars Hill congregants and pastors and elders did. They mm-hmm. held Mark in this idol worship position to where he was bigger than life. When in reality, as we've talked about in previous episodes, the eldership, they all had the, they had the power to stop a lot of the things that went on at Mars Hill. And they were just like, eh, well, we don't want Mark to be upset about it. Like, so yeah. that was the first thing. The second one that really stood out to me more. And I'll let you talk in a second. Cause like always, I'm rambling, but um, the Benjamin kid goes up and he says that he finally gets to meet Mark. You know, he gets in line or whatever and to shake Mark's hand. And in that moment, he tells Mark, you know, hey, you should contact my dad, basically, and you guys should try to make up. And then, you know, through this interview and kind of Mike Cosper, I get the sense that he's kind of like presenting this Benjamin Petri kid as like a hero. You know, like he's got all mm-hmm. this courage that he's going to go up and stand up to Mark Driscoll and tell him to right his wrongs. And then they present Mark as this bad guy because they say basically that Mark's sort of dismissive of him. Like, hey, you know, well, there's a lot of things going on. Right. You know, and they're almost like, ah, oh, Mark, he's dismissive of all the trouble he caused this Benjamin kid. And I was like, I don't see that. Like to me, and again, I'm, understand I'm generally on the outside looking in on these topics, but to me, that makes Benjamin look bad. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about going to some dude's five year anniversary of his church opening a huge ordeal for the church. Apparently the last question on earth Mark was expecting to get was about like, Hey, remember that guy you fired seven years ago? You should make mm-hmm. up for it. And I imagine Mark's like, what, <clears throat> like, what are you talking about right now? Like 
was this in the service? I mean, there's a thousand other yeah. things going on in his brain besides some kid trying to challenge him on a random Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it just came off as like Benjamin's supposed to be this tough, courageous kid who's going to stand up to this Goliath. When really you're yeah. like, you couldn't have sent him an email. That's what I was call. thinking. And he came was on trying next to Sunday when it wasn't the five year anniversary. Like yeah. he wanted to make a spectacle. But if his dad wants to make amends, his dad can go and talk to him himself. It was really weird that he yes. felt like he had to meddle. I mean, he was just, I mean, he's a young guy and he's upset for his dad and maybe he's seeing a view. He's not mature in the faith yet, obviously. And only he, all he's ever heard is the negativity around it all and seeing how hurt everyone was. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know, did his dad know he was going? I and sure did he tell him not. not to go? I just... For my children, if you're listening to this years <laughs> later, please don't go fight my battles for me. Like, I bet um, his, I bet his dad would, is upset that he's I hope so. on here, you know, like, you didn't need to do that for me. I can do that on my own, you know, because if his dad didn't know and then Mark gets in touch with him and saying, hey, your son was over here, you know, kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, <laughs> it the, just, you know, I thought it looked bad, but it was more of just the idea that. Here again is Mike Cosper trying to make Mark Driscoll look bad for something that I think seemingly anybody would have done. And that's largely been a big issue through the entire, you know, series here. These ideas that they keep talking about where like, hey, look at Mark, this really bad guy. And you're like, yeah, I think anybody when you have a thousand other things on your mind and someone asks you a question out of left field, you're like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I got I'm not worried about that right now. Because, yes, should Mark make up with his father? Of course he should. Um, You know, as a Christian, you should always be seeking reconciliation. And um, I think I had the quote in here somewhere. I thought it, not the quote, I'm sorry. But, I mean, you know the verse. I'll try to have it on the screen here. You know, if you have, um, if you're going to give your offering or your Mm -hmm. sacrifice and your brother has something against you, leave your sacrifice, go and mm-hmm. make right with your brother and then come back, you know, and sacrifice with a, a clean conscience, basically. So Mark should certainly do that. Um, we're yeah, not the letting Mark off the hook. are a broken spirit, a contrite heart. But it's just the setting was bad. Yeah. I think the intentions seemed uh, out of place for me with this Benjamin kid. And uh, so just the whole thing, don't like trying to make somebody like make up a story to make somebody look bad, especially with Mark. You got a thousand other things you can like. There was a lot of other things on. like, yeah, that's a part of the aftermath is people doing things not in their right mind still. Like even five years later, it's still people are hurt over it. I mean, you have to acknowledge that that people yeah. are hurt. But this is the whole point of people needing counseling. I mean, I agree. A lot of them, I mean, they kind of brought that up on, on the show that a whole bunch of people were in counseling after this. Yeah. And that was a large part of the show that we're not going to really get into, but a lot of the show was just kind of people talking about what they had gone through in the aftermath to sort of get themselves right. Mm-hmm. Nikki said, you know, they go to counseling. I'm a little torn on it. I don't know. I've always had this feeling that like, not to say that counseling, you get it, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's situation is different. But as a Christian, I feel like you should always be prepared and ready for evil to be happening around you. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why it catches Christians off guard. You know, like, obviously, I'm in the military. I've never killed anybody, praise God. But I've been around death. 
And it, you know, that affects people with PTSD. And I've always had the thought, and maybe I have so much PTSD that I don't even realize it, but like, I've always thought like, why would seeing death affect me in that way when I understand the battle that we fight as Christians? I understand that the, you know, the uh, Satan's in charge of this world and he just comes to kill, steal and destroy. Like, so that's my mindset going into it. And the same thing, you know, with the church, you have this fallout and like, I mean, yeah, it's rough and tough. And, um, but that's, that part struck me weird. I mean, I'm just not an overly emotional guy either. So, um, maybe nope. I just have a heart of stone, but just keep pushing it down further till you explode one day. That's the way a man does it. Oh my just gosh. kidding. I'm just kidding. So, uh, I will say one of the things they point out in there, uh, is that Mark basically starts Trinity church about a year and a half after leaving Mars Hill. Um, and you don't, at least they never tell you that Mark saw any repentance or had a heart change. I don't think of that any... Christianity today would bring up anything positive about him. I mean, they do mention that they reached out to Mark and he never got back to them. <clears throat> Um, so we don't know. That's, you know, something we just have to speculate on. But I just don't know if the people they interviewed, they all know so many other people from the church that they would know who he reconciled with, you know, word would get around really quick among yeah. all the people. So they do know. And if you, you know, but if you believe that Mark is who they present him to be in this, then he probably didn't repent or have a heart change. I hope he did. I don't think it's good uh, for us to assume that. But he didn't. I mean, yeah, but either way, a year and a half after you have this massive, complete collapse of something seems quick to me, you know, I don't Moving know. Moving on so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? But, um, or even just the idea that you didn't even take a step back, you know, is like, I'm just going to go and learn yeah. or like, you know, Again, the whole pastorship thing. But it's like you're a shepherd. You don't leave your flock and get a new flock. Like if God gave you that church, it doesn't mean he gave you the building. He gave you all those people and you abandoned them all. And they did talk about all the abandonment issues in real life and how people looked up to Mark as that spiritual father. You know, they bring all the psychology into it. And that's a real thing, too. It, a lot of people did get hurt because they really did look to him. And then he just, just, he really abandoned them all. I don't know all of them. I'm sure he stayed in touch with. Well, and they do make the too, point but, in there that, and that's what's funny about this. You know, they talk about the aftermath and all the stuff that happened and the lives that were <clears throat> ruined and all these sorts of things. But they do make a quick mention in there that there were a lot of people from Mars Hill that went to Trinity church with him. Yeah. Maybe not a large amount, sure but there were be. people that went. So not everybody yeah. at Mars Hill feels the way Christianity today well, does. I'm sure a lot of people just didn't know what was going on. Maybe, I mean, well, I mean, they went, they understood enough to be like, I want to move to another city to follow this church. So it's just, mm. you know, there's different feelings inside the church. Um, but a year and a half seemed quick to me, unless there was like repentance or heart change. Um, but Another thing that really stood out to me, and um, I don't know that it's wrong. This is actually more just a question that I have for you guys. Um, as somebody who wants to be a pastor someday, the idea of a salary has always been a really, you know, touchy subject to me when it comes to a pastor. Mm -hmm. But they make note in there that the final year 
that Mark Driscoll was a pastor there, his salary was $650,000 for that year. And that seems wow. astronomical mm-hmm. to me, even for a mega church that Mars Hill was. And mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I've always been uneasy about how much a pastor makes and how they get paid. And I'm not saying that 650000 is wrong, because I don't know. Um, but that just seems like a lot of money for any pastor. Yeah. I mean, there's... There's a lot of good you can do around the world for $650,000. Um, so I'd be interested to know, especially if you are, if you've been a pastor, um, if you know pastors in your life, how they get paid. And um, mm-hmm. if that seems like a, a large amount to you, I mean, keep in mind, you had a 15,000 member church with a huge online presence, you know, church plants all over the country. So, uh, you know, he was in charge of a lot, but 650 grand is... A whole lot of money. Right. So, yeah, I have the same questions. I feel the same about it. And then, one thing we had mentioned in a previous episode, we kind of talked about how bad the eldership looked um, with Mark resigning. And then, within two to three hours, they shut the doors and closed everything down. Um, but they do talk about in this episode. So, we jumped the gun a little bit there. Um, after they decided to close the doors, they did like the restructure. They took basically what was left of the church and broke it out, and they wound up saving basically nine Mars Hill church plants, keeping those up and running. So apparently they're still going. Um, So that is good, although I do have the thought that, like, because Christianity Today makes the case that Mars Hill was essentially a cult— why are we supposed to be okay with nine cult plant churches still being in existence? I am not of the belief that Mars Hill was a cult, and I'm happy that there's churches up and running, although mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm—it's a, it's a weird, you know, because you feel like the eldership and all these pastors were kind of so spineless almost when it came mm-hmm. to Mark. Now you're supposed to be okay with them just kind of being in charge of their own church, so yeah, I'm naturally in favor of more churches because we need more churches, but then you're like, I don't know. It's kind of a murky situation. I don't know. I mean, God can use it all. He works everything out for good. So you just, yeah. people get saved even in cultish churches. Like right. God and I can don't think save it was a cult, but in spite of it, <laughs> I am glad that nine of them main, you know, stayed alive and people right. still it have wasn't a, church a home. complete fall, No, but they didn't complete. stay called. Like Mars Hill, they're not like affiliated anymore. They don't want like the I don't name. Think so they probably wouldn't want the name. Yeah, I don't know. They they talk about how they basically, instead of just being like um, church campuses, they turned them into church plants. So they essentially let them become their own church instead of Mars Hill offshoots. I guess mm-hmm. so. Are um, they all kind of in the same? Are they in the same state? Where are they all at? Did they I say? Have no idea. I don't remember. I don't I, think they said it. Yeah, I don't think they mentioned it. I'm but interested to know where they're all at, though. Just to, I don't know, see how they're doing. So one of the other points that they brought up in here that I thought was worth talking about is um, Paul Tripp is back. Um, he's been in a couple episodes. I believe he was one of the gentlemen that was kind of called in to see if he could work out some of the issues going on in Mars Hill. Um, and... This, to be honest, this show is really the first time that I think either of us have heard of Paul Tripp. Uh, he's kind of presented as like a person that Christians are supposed to know. And mm-hmm. I was actually reading through some Christian quotes the other day, and I saw a Paul Tripp quote, and I was like, oh, well, there you go. So <laughs> uh, maybe we're in the wrong that we don't really know who he is, but uh, be that as it may, he did mm-hmm. say some stuff in here that I just 
didn't it didn't strike me the right way. So the first that he first statement that he said was um, he talks about the congregants that are leaving the church and how they were all going through this deconstruction of their faith. Mm -hmm. And he makes the point in there that we all better be deconstructing our faith. And I was like, because of the aftermath, is that I think he just made the point the that context? Christians should always be deconstructing their faith. All Christians he needs to like explain better exactly, right? Because why you need to do that, though. Like, you know, he kind of makes it seem almost like heroic to be deconstructing your faith. Like you're brave enough to look at your own faith and tear it down. And you know, we saw a deconstructionist earlier in this series of podcasts by the name of Josh Harris, the atheist, who deconstructed his faith to the point of having no faith. So um, he was pretty Yikes. big on deconstruction. And, you know, I pulled up a, a definition of deconstruction, and I can't remember the website I found this from, uh, from, but it says, a systematic pulling apart of the belief, belief system you were raised in. This typically happens when one has questions, doubts about their faith that go unanswered. Eventually, those issues force themselves to the surface and must be dealt with, sometimes brought on by an event in your life that the faith of your childhood didn't prepare you for, you know, death, loss, difficult season. So definitely had a difficult season at Mars Hill. Well, I think if he was speaking to all of the people at Mars Hill who are falling away, he's telling them they have to deconstruct their faith because if they're falling away, they didn't have Christ as their foundation. So I think he's right in saying it to those who are falling away. Like, yeah, your faith wasn't built on Christ. You didn't have a foundation. That's why you're falling away. So I think it's fine for him to be speaking to them that they all need to deconstruct their faith and actually put Christ as a foundation. Like, if they're all talking about it, then they're actually admitting that Christ wasn't their foundation. Yeah, I mean, and that would make sense to me. You know, they're deconstructing their Mars Hill faith, because as we've argued on here before, I don't think what Mark was preaching was wrong. What he was preaching and the message and the gospel he was preaching, everything I've heard of it sounds spot on. But what maybe they need deconstructing is that their sort of faith was wrapped up in Mark mm -hmm. and not Christ. Um, yeah, so maybe the they're wrestling with that. But I just think whenever you start talking about like this deconstruction mm -hmm. thing, I just be weary of it. Um, yeah, because I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, especially in 2021, you know, like you might be tearing down this faith you grew up in, but what are you replacing? Like, it with? could you imagine our kids saying, "I need to deconstruct my faith that you guys brought me up in as a kid"? Be like, "No, don't tear that apart," because the Bible tells us to to diligently, um, you know, train our children up. There's a lot of of scripture, of scripture about it. And it's not all for nothing. Right. And I think that that's a bad message to pass to kids that like, Hey, that faith of your parents, like you need to reexamine it. Not but, in all cases, not in most well, cases. Your faith needs to be your own and you can't just stand on your parents' faith and say, Oh, I'm a Christian. Cause my parents are a Christian. And yeah, obviously you need your own foundation, not your parents' foundation. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it just, I would be leery, especially in 2021, you know, we talked just a few weeks or months ago that only 6% of U.S. adults hold a biblical worldview. So like you might be tearing down this faith that your parents gave you or whatever it happens to be, but who's going to replace it? 
you know, you're going to go to Josh Harris. He's big in that deconstruction movement. You know, who Jesse Bryan, you're going to go reconstruct your faith for you. Um, the atheist Christianity today likes to pump out there. So just be cautious. Mm -mm. Um, definitely grow in your faith, go deeper in your faith, but be careful about tearing down your foundation. Um, because mm. that doesn't always lead to something better. No. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't the only thing Paul Tripp said that struck me weird. Um, he also made a point that the fall of Mars Hill kind of, he said it was sad because the church had become a place for the world to mock. Mm. And I was like, isn't that always the case? Like, hasn't the church and Christianity always been something that people mock? I mean, the, I feel like mm -hmm. the Bible, you know, tells us, um, you know, that Christianity, I can't think of the verses right now. I have, I don't know, I have, I'll try to put some up here on the screen if I can find them. But, you know, I feel like there's plenty of verses that you can find where they, you know, they talk to you about mocking the prophets and, mm -hmm. um, and that sort of thing. And, you know, they obviously they mocked Jesus when he was getting, yeah. um, you know, punished and crucified. They mocked him like, yeah, truth looks like foolishness to the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, again, this is almost like, you know, dragging the atheist out to critique the church. And now we're here worried about what the church looks like because the world might mock us. I, yeah. I mean, I don't care. I mean, the world is going to see that and they're, it, it is a, a bad thing that happened. I mean, I agree. That is sad that it fell apart and all these unbelievers are like, see, yeah. Yeah, but I'm I not concerned so. about the unbeliever. I'm concerned about the Christ, the Christians that were at Mars Hill and what they went through. I don't care what the unbelievers cuz they were probably mocking the church when it was thriving. Well, that's Satan's so, plan is to always have people in a church and they, you know, look like they're Christians and then they fall away just so people on the outside can can laugh. Yeah, that's just something that's always happened. I mean, it's just a bigger fall with Mars Hill, but I mean, that's going on everywhere. Yeah, it just it struck me as weird that like, <clears throat> why should we be like concerned about atheists and godless people mocking us? Because I just wanted to make the point just so everyone's clear. They are mocking you. <laughs> if you actually hold to yeah. biblical truth and a biblical worldview, they're mocking Even you. Even if you don't fall. Yeah, they mock you and they say yeah, they oh, might it's mock a you more if you're rigid. And yeah. steadfast in your beliefs. Well, religion religion is a crutch, but yeah, yeah it is. So they're mocking <laughs> you, anyways. Um, so just kind of moving through here, um, you know, like many uh, of the previous episodes, you know, Mark were kind of told is unbiblical in his teaching and his preaching um, at different times. Though in this episode is no different, you know, we're never actually shown where he's incorrect in his teaching. You know, they might say he's crude or he does something that they don't like, but they're never pointing out exactly where he's flawed biblically. And the host might, you know, Mike Cosper, I think is first and foremost, he never really goes that far. Mm -hmm. um, he just basically wants you to take his word for it that Mark was wrong. Um, so he plays Mark's famous, how dare you sermon. In this episode, again, if you're familiar, he yells at the kids, you know, how dare you? And um, he sort of um, kind of smeared it almost. And we're basically told that, like, uh, it's just this is Mark's style of preaching. He just wants us to remember Mark that way. 
Yeah, he says in there, like, Mark's style is, you suck, do better. And that's Mark's style of preaching. But um, I, I don't know. That's what I get out of it. That's. Yeah, but well. again, I don't see where Mark was wrong. Like, all the stuff that he's yelling at these kids, we, I mean, we've done the surveys. We've looked at the, the stats. I don't know where he was wrong. And to me, it just seems like the point that Mike Cosper's kind of trying to make is like, Mark didn't say anything wrong necessarily, but he didn't say all the nice stuff that people want to hear too. He didn't give him that, you know, nice, comfortable feeling as they walked out the doors. He let them leave feeling bad about themselves. And that's just not okay in Mike Cosper's world. I think you should leave um, feeling hopeful though, not I don't want people leaving church thinking I'm going to improve myself because I am horrible. I, I'd hope not that I've ever listened to that whole sermon. How did he end it? Like, yeah, you're a whor- that's the gospel though. It's like, yeah, we're, we're sinners. We, we fail a lot. And you know, that's what sanctification is. Like the Holy spirit isn't speaking to you that way and pointing out all of our failures all at once and making us feel miserable. Like I think, the way he addresses addresses things is is really satanic, honestly, because that is not gentle um, and no fruit of the spirit in the way he, you can say things and truthfully, but lovingly. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a woman. That's how I see it. But I would be embarrassed to be in a sermon or there sitting next to Spencer and him talking that way in in my presence. So that's like, I'm looking at Spencer like, oh, you better do what he's saying. You know how much, how many problems that would cause in marriages? It's just, if there's, if the pastor knows of some issues with the men in the church, with the husbands, he needs to go to them privately. You don't publicly point the finger and scream at them. That isn't biblical. Well, but so, they've also mentioned in this show before that they've done those. They've had the men's only meetings. Yeah, if it's men's stuff only. Stuff like that. And, Again, I've talked in this before. That sort of messaging, that works for me. You need it, but I'm just saying you don't do that in front of the wife or the children. That's Maybe not, not all the right. time. Again, we don't, I mean, we didn't hear all the messages. If this was maybe something that had been bubbling to the surface and it finally explodes, I'm not. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Maybe, but they also say that maybe. this was sort of, <laughs> no, I mean, that is a, but there's, you know, there's different ways to get people's attention. And if maybe he has been walking in love up to this point and things are still bubbling, you have to try just a little bit of shock and awe. I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. My biggest thing is where was he wrong? And if you can point out that like, hey, he said that they were doing this and that was wrong, or he said this about the Bible, then it was wrong. Fine. If you don't like the delivery, well, you don't like the delivery. I mean, again, Nikki doesn't like the delivery. I'm okay with it. But you don't want these men walking out of church trying to be better in their own strength. It's through the Holy Spirit that you die to the flesh and live right, more but godly. That was a part of an hour and a half. Well, long I sermon. hope that he included that, and it wasn't just the whole "you suck, do better" because you can't do better. The whole thing is, yeah, I do suck. I can't do better without the help of God. So, right. And I that, hope he followed up that way. I would assume he did. I mean, again, we've heard plenty of stuff from him on this show, and. I mean, yeah, it started, sounded harsh, but it all sounded to me like a good gospel message. I mean, so I don't have a problem. I just wanted to point out because he does make the, the point in there that 
you know, it's this harsh, you suck, do better. It's not, again, like Nikki said, kind of leaving people feeling good about themselves. So I just wanted to pull up Matthew 10 34 here. Um, cause Christ himself, you know, he even said, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So he came, I mean, he was, he did come to bring peace. Obviously he is, you know, the Prince of peace, but he did also come to point out flaws, to separate people, to cut you to the core. I mean, he cut you to the core spiritually. And again, I'm okay with that because I'm somebody, I want to know my flaws. I want to know where I'm wrong so I can fix it. I don't want someone Mm -hmm. telling me all the time, yeah, you're doing great. Just keep doing, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And then, you know, can I point out your flaws all the time? You'll be happy. Yeah. If I had any, sure. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, but I mean, the point that I want to make, at least for me, when I listen to this is like, when you get slapped in the face by the word of God, it shouldn't feel good. It should be jarring. I feel like, especially if someone's like, Hey man, come on, you know, just love your wife, you know, quit, you know, whatever you're doing to her, you're watching porn and you're drinking with your buddies. Like, come on, man. Just, and then year after year, you keep doing that. I feel like eventually you'd want to grab someone and shake them and be like, what are you doing, man? And to me, that's what I feel like the sermon was like a, what are you doing kind of a moment. Maybe they really all needed that. Maybe they all really sucked. I'm going to give you a little secret. They all need it. Um, if you look at the numbers, for God's sakes, most pastors need that. Um, so Mike Cosper apparently doesn't like this kind of preaching. I don't mind it so much. So again, this is just something I wanted to point out. Uh, but still just not a big fan of like, hey, this was really bad. And you're like, okay, why was it bad? Moving on. And you're like, uh, all right, well, I yeah. guess I'll just decide on my own. So They never used any scripture. Yeah. And you know, again, there's so many more topics to bring up in this episode. We won't have time to get to. Uh, I just want to bring up this one last point because it really didn't sit right with me. Uh, And to me, I don't know. And maybe I'm off base here, but, you know, we've kind of said before that Christianity today strikes us as a kind of a progressive Christian um, Mm -hmm. organization. Not everybody agrees with us, but that's the way I feel. And listening to this, I didn't change my mind at all. But Mike Cosper interviews this lady named Michelle, I believe was her name. And uh, she was kind of discussing the role of sexuality and marriage at Mars Hill again. They've talked about this in previous episodes. And she kind of talks about how it made her uncomfortable. Um, But something that she said, or something Mike said after he kind of interviewed her, um, he said Mars Hill's teaching on the sexuality and sort of wife submission was wrong and he said it because it placed authority outside of michelle's own will and i was like that just doesn't sound right to me because Mm -hmm. our will should not be our final authority Mm -hmm. like even you know i wrote down luke 22 42 and you can disagree with me if you want honey but okay (laughs) um to me you know Christ in the garden, right? He's praying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. Now, again, this was kind of mentioned in the context of a wife submitting to her husband sexually. Um, but I, you know, you hear this all the time and it always irritates me because I feel like if you're the kind, if you're a wife and your husband beats your beats you over the head with wife submit to your husband because he wants you to have sex with him all the time. And you can't say no because you got a headache and that's not allowed. Then you have a bad husband. 
Like, that's not a godly man. Well, is he loving her as Christ loved the church? Because that's a two-part. Well, that's what I mean. (laughs) If your husband is like, we're going to have sex. I don't care if you're tired because you will submit to me. Yeah. He's a bad husband. Yeah. Like, that's not a Christ problem. That's a you married a bad husband problem. Yeah. I mean, plain and simple. Like, if you're basically to the point where you're being, like, sexually abused by your husband, you have a bad husband. That's not... Christ problem. That doesn't mean that like your will is the ultimate authority and somebody's stepping on it. It means you got a bad husband. You know, Mm -hmm. our will should be submissive to God's authority because our will, we're sinners. That's how we're born. And outside of God's, you know, sovereignty and saving us, we're dead in that sin. That's all we know how to do is be against God. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, my will is the ultimate authority, good, then you're going to go to hell. You know, that's right. <laughs> so you need to lay down your will and submit to God's authority, much like Christ did in the garden. And mm. again, the sex issue always gets brought up. If you married the right man and he's a godly man, um, I don't think this is an issue. I feel like this is a very like, I could be wrong. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a pastor, but I feel like this is a very small group of people. That they're like, I'm the most godly man you've ever met, and you will have sex with me whenever I say it, and you don't get to get out of it. Like, eh, I don't know. So that statement, though, I'd like to know what you guys think about that, because just that little segment that Mike Cosper sort of tossed out there, I was like, that to me says a lot about this show and why it went the way it went. Mm-hmm. You know, whose authority, like who's in control here? Is it you, your will? be done or is it the father's will um so i don't know if you had any other thoughts no, on agreed. that part but you said i could disagree with you but i don't think i can disagree with that <laughs> yeah we'd like to know what you guys think so again a lot of other points to get to on here you know i think it's at least worth giving a listen to if you got a nice long run to go on um <laughs> if you have anything else to do i don't know uh but yeah, i mean it's good like they all were they're they're packed with information. So um, we just want to kind of move along here and kind of look now more at the entire series review, looking at, you know, all whatever it was like 14 or 15 episodes at this point with some of the bonus episodes. So up Gosh. to this point, first episode forever ago. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to ask you first, honey, because neither of us knew anything about Mars Hill or Mark Driscoll. So what did you learn about Mars Hill? through this podcast? I think it's good. I think it was good to listen to. Um, I would recommend it just because I just think there was so many different situations um, and things that could have been fixed. And I think knowing about it ahead of time, you can prevent things and just learn from their mistakes and hopefully how to handle them in a godly way. And, and if people do fall away from the church, how to not be bitter and, um, I don't know, just making sure your foundation is Christ. I think, I think there's just so much to learn from it. I mean, I, there's things that I never would have thought about happening in well, a church. Well, you did mention too on. that you didn't like sort of the mindset that Mark evolved into. Yeah. Like the whole, um, I think when he got into the whole brand thing and everything being about numbers and getting everybody motivated to like t- 
take the city for Christ, those kinds of things. And I, I just don't see anywhere in the Bible where we're called to like convert cities and like just because the path is narrow. And if you are claiming you're going to take a whole city, I just, I don't, I just don't, it's not that I don't have faith that God can't do that, but that's not anywhere in scripture. And I'd really like to discuss that another time, maybe do an episode on that topic alone with that whole mentality. Well, how dare you? Have you not heard of the Vatican City? If that's not the most holy place on earth, I don't know where it is. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, no, it's definitely a good topic to talk about because um, you hear that a lot, especially in the megachurch, seeker-sensitive sort of world that we live in. You know, every church is going to take the city and um, mm-hmm. that seems to be a very wide path if you're taking a city, yeah. but um, be interesting to talk about. So, Right. I'm not opposed to trying and preaching the gospel to everybody, but... Yeah, I mean, I want to take a city. I want to I take the world. I would like to, but, but it's, if it's biblical. just about numbers, then then they're just a number. And if they're going to your church, then that's proof that they're saved to you. Like, that's the, that's dangerous. Yeah. So... Um, is there any last things that you want to just, as far as what you learned of Mars Hill, anything else that you want to mention? Well, I'm not going to leave this just thinking whatever Mike Cosper wants us to think of him. Like he's got a new church now and there's people going there. And I mean, I think he has some good sermons though. Like we were listening to just a couple recent ones and they're all like, some of them are just like questions that people have and he discusses them. And I, I think that there's, you like you don't you know the saying don't throw the baby out with the bathwater like he's still someone to go to 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 get you know biblical truth from i don't think everything he teaches is is wrong and we're supposed to test all things anyway any pastor teacher that you listen to you always go to the word of god and test every man so you're yeah. not holding him up on a pedestal above scripture don't hold any person above scripture no, and that's why we'll include links um, to at least his YouTube channel, maybe his website, um, because you're only getting one side of the story here from Mike yeah. Cosper. So, you know, if you are familiar with Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill, then you may feel otherwise. But if you're like us and you don't have any previous knowledge, then, you know, I don't think you should just take Christianity today's idea of Mark Driscoll right. as yeah. gospel. You know, go give it a listen for yourself. Um, maybe do some extra research, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Because what I've learned from Mars Hill, you know, the rise and fall of Mars Hill is, and I've talked about this before, it makes me sad to see it fall. Because when we listen to early Mars Hill, that is, to me, I feel like that church is more needed today than it was in the early 2000s when it came out. That message, that gospel message that he preached, I think is so desperate. I think our world has gotten more feminized, that men have become more weak and apathetic. And I feel like that Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill message that kind of took Seattle by storm, I think is so desperate. And right. to watch it crumble and fall, it to me is sad. I mean, it's heartbreaking to see that get lost because then once that falls, it's almost like that message, that, um, that idea of Christianity falls. And I don't think that mm-hmm. idea of Christianity is wrong. Um, I think it's much needed. So it, mm-hmm. it makes me sad. and. You know, I'm not, as we've mentioned, we're not a Mark Driscoll apologist. We think even just from what we've listened to, there were a lot of things that Mark Driscoll did wrong. Um, 
enough to where he should have been removed as pastor of mm-hmm. Mars Hill, where he's certainly in favor of that. Um, but we don't think that he was alone in that. And I think that's my biggest mm-hmm. takeaway from this is all of this podcast seems to be pointing to Mark Driscoll as this lone figure that ruined right. all these lives and all this ministry. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think Mark Driscoll was a very godly man with a very godly mission, but he had a lot of flaws. And I think mm-hmm. that he surrounded himself with all the wrong people. Bad company corrupts it good does. character. You know, show me your friends. I'll yep. show you your future. And he had bad friends yep. and weak elders, atheists in the church with the Jesse Bryans of the world. At least that's the way they're portrayed yeah, I here. I hope and, he doesn't this time around with his new church. Like, Yeah. So to me, I feel like they missed the mark here. That's kind of a pun, but <laughs> just focusing all this attention on Mark Driscoll, I feel like is short-sighted when there were so many other flaws in this church, not to mention the congregants and the other pastors that had this idol worship of Mark. And like this, mm-hmm. this was a poisoned church in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And it's yeah. sad because the message was so powerful. Um, he definitely has them. I think the messages are even received well by those outside the church because they're cultural issues. They're all good messages that will improve any marriage and family life. Like even unbelievers can take this advice and they would probably enjoy going to the churches to hear the messages and they can just skip over the gospel part. Like it would be good for them. But I think that's why maybe so many people went to his church and they didn't have that foundation. And that's why they had to deconstruct their faith because they liked the messages, but I don't know that they really had that foundation. So I'm not sure either. And again, you know, I just think sad to see it fall, but I just think they missed the mark and not pointing out the errors or at least not highlighting. I'm like focusing so much on Mark, I think sort of lets a lot of the other problems off the hook. And that's a shame for me. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, kind of what I learned of Mars Hill again, definitely think Mark was to blame for a lot of it. Um, he had his own flaws and I hope he's repent, uh, repented from those things. But, um, as we look to wrap this episode up though, um, again, looking at the entirety of the podcast, everything mm-hmm. it was and is the music production, everything. Um, kind of how would you rate this podcast from a one to 10? You know, our show is a 10. So everything, uh, <laughs> well, then they're like, they're a two, a probably, 20, yeah. you know, oh, how dare you? <laughs> no. So one to 10, you know, think, 10 being it's the best podcast you ever heard. And one being like, it wasn't worth your time to listen to one episode. For Christianity today's just for anybody theirs. for yeah. Yeah, rating. I thought it was great i mean just comparing it to other podcasts i mean i thought they did great i like their music a lot you have to give it a number score i do one to ten gosh i haven't listened to like that many to compare it to okay i'll say i'll say eight all right um i would say overall i would say probably a seven i'll go a little bit lower it was definitely produced really well the interviews, it was great. I think what would have made it maybe a nine or a 10 is if you had to be about eight episodes. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of kind of retread, yeah. but they presented a lot of neat information. You know, when it went back to looking at how, you know, these mega churches evolved and became mm-hmm. a thing in America, that was really neat. They and did a lot of research. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they did a lot of really time. good stuff. So 
it's definitely worth a listen. Um, I highly recommend you listen to it. I just, as always, when you're listening to a documentary, understand that they're trying to get a point of view across to you. Yeah. So, you know, again, unless you're familiar with the Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll situation, do some research on the other side. Uh, I'm not saying that Mars uh, Christianity Today is wrong. I don't know. Um, this is just us listening to it for the first time coming into this blind. Um, we disagree with a lot of what they had to say. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're right and they're wrong, or uh, maybe you think they're right and we're wrong, but that's just the way we saw it. So we would encourage you guys to listen to them yourselves, and we'd love to hear from you. You know, come jump on social media, leave us some comments on YouTube. If you're on the podcast, whatever, just come find us. We'd love to talk to you guys. Again, we don't think we're necessarily right. This is just the way we digested the information with the beliefs that we have. Um, you know, not trying to be, you know, people are like, Oh, you're a shill for Driscoll. And like, I don't know Driscoll from anybody. Like, (laughs) why would I shill for him? I'm not, this is just us listening to a show and trying to give our point of view. So, um, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed our reviews of them. If any other Mars Hill podcast do come out, you know, we'll probably review those as well. So, um, stay tuned for that. But otherwise, um, please come join us Monday through Friday. We do our five minute daily devotionals. And then every Saturday, you know, we'll be having the, uh, our normal religionless Christianity podcast talking about what we like to talk about God. So, um, please come join us there and come find us on social media, but otherwise do you have any last thoughts, honey? Nope. It's all done. All right. Go follow those <laughs> links and give Mark a listen for yourself. And, uh, We will see you guys in the next one. Love you. God bless. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.